May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Why do we worship on a Sunday? Christians celebrate on a Sunday and not a Saturday, as, as Jews do the Sabbath. The Sabbath in the Jewish faith is, like, is literally the seventh day. That is the important part. It is the day um, in which God rested after creation. But Christians celebrate on the first day of the week. The reason why we have a weekend in general is because the Sabbath is still Saturday. So you have the Sabbath on Saturday, and you have the Lord's Day on Sunday. Two days. Neither of them are very restful in the modern world. Um, for many of us today, the weekends, the Sabbath, and the Lord's Day are full of catching up activities, escapes, family time, excursions, catching up around the house. If you have children and activities, there's, there's sports games, all, like 24 hours, like four, all 48 hours, there's some kind of activity and tournament going on. Um, you either are doing or feeling guilty about doing or not doing. It's, it's pretty, pretty dramatic. There's all sorts of honeydew, honeydew lists going on in this time in the weekend. For a long time in the South, uh, especially, there were blue laws that limited what kind of businesses could be open on Sundays. And I think in large part, if you look back at like, church membership in the 1950s and 60s, a lot of the, the height of it had to do with blue laws because there was nothing else anybody could do except go to church. Um, they had no other options. And so it's like, well, I guess I'll go to church. I can like, see something. Um, so it wasn't, wasn't you know, I don't, I don't think it was like a, 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 a sign of the amazing discipleship going on in the country. It was that they were legally um, limited in activities. This year, Christmas Day is on a Sunday, and it happens every few years. A lot of churches cancel worship on Sunday, um, on Christmas, because they say that Christmas is for family and they don't want to have an obligation. A lot, I mean, a big part of it is that it's not as well attended on, on Christmas, on, when Christmas falls on a Sunday, so they don't want to lose the money, but that's a separate issue. Uh, <laughs> But I think, I think Christmas is partially about family. My family has a, a number of wonderful traditions and holidays. But a Sunday is the Lord's day. Because on the third day, Christ rose from the dead. The third day, the third day was a Sunday. In the Christian faith, it is not the first day of the week. Sunday is not the first day of the week. It is the eighth day. It is the first day of a new cycle of creation. This Sunday... And every Sunday, each is a little Easter, a little resurrection, a little reminder that the new creation of all things has begun in Jesus Christ. If we believe Jesus rose from the dead, we are living in a different world now. My friends, we are continuing our series on the Apostles' Creed, the historic doctrinal statement of faith. We are going to look at how the creed encapsulates our faith over time, encapsulates Scripture and offers it to us in a way that shows us about God, who God is, what God has done, how the world is, why we are in need, and how God saves us and what we can do about it. Today, we're at the clause in the Apostles' Creed, on the third day, he rose again. This series is in part a response to claims that the United Methodist Church has moved away from Christian doctrine. The doctrine of the church has not changed and, and cannot change. And there's no more central doctrine of the church than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is, that is what, why we are gathered together, why there is a Sunday to begin with, because of this moment. And the timing of resurrection matters. The fleshiness 
of resurrection matters. Ezekiel 37, which Mike read before, has this great image of a valley of dry bones and the Son of Man breathing out onto the bones and the sinews of flesh adding and building on to the bones. This is the most detailed description of resurrection in the Bible. It's, it's bones and flesh. It's not spirit bubbles or ghosts floating across the surface. The Bible doesn't really talk much about disembodied souls. It's not a present activity in the Bible. It speaks of resurrected bodies. Jesus rose in the flesh. Lazarus rose in the flesh. Even Moses and Elijah at the transfiguration are bright and brilliant. They aren't ghostly and pale as so many of our images from, from media have of ghosts. And each moment of resurrection takes time. 1 Corinthians 15 offers a beautiful summary of our faith that addresses this time, and it's almost this kind of pre-creedal um, text that, that has, that Paul writes, I passed on to you what is important. And that's really what the, what the faith is, what tradition is, is what is passed on. What is it worthwhile to pass on? So Paul says, this is what is important. Christ died for our sins in line with the Scriptures. He was buried and he rose on the third day in line with the Scriptures. The timing of the days matters, not because it justifies the predictions of the, of the Bible, but that Jesus was killed before the Sabbath on a Friday. If he had risen on the Sabbath, if he had risen the next day, nobody would have seen it because they were all at home. Nobody would have been there. So the day after the Sabbath was a normal day. It was an average day. The women who go to the tomb are, are doing what they would have done on a normal day, and they find the tomb empty, and an angel is there and asks them this important question, why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? Worshiping on a Sunday as the gathered body of Christ is an opportunity to look for the living among the living. It is a chance to find God where God is among the living. We don't need to look for the living among the dead. He is not there. The resurrection itself was bodily. It wasn't just in spirit. The, the New Testament has little time for spirits floating about. It has little time for ghosts. John Updike puts it in his seven stanzas on Easter. Make no mistake, if he rose at all, it is as his body if the cell's dissolution did not reverse, the molecules re-knit, the amino acids rekindle, the church will fall. He is risen as the eternal proclamation of each Sunday, the church in all seasons. Christ has transformed every first day into an eighth day. Christ has transformed our time from Kronos time into Kairos time. Kronos is the linear time, is the clock time, is the time of organizing yourself and scheduling things out, and this after this after this after this after this, over and over and over again. Kairos is the time of God, the redeemed time of flow and transformation, the time of falling in love that you lose track of time, the time of the first cry of your child 
where you don't realize where you are, the time of undeserved mercy, where you thought everything was lost and yet someone forgives you. Time moves slowly as a child and swiftly as an adult. Our routines and habits are good and beautiful, but they can make time pass in ways that seem too fast, that we are not able to focus on those kairos moments, and we're stuck in the chronos of the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And when we live for ourselves, we are forever trapped in chronos time. We're forever trapped with this finite resource of our time and attention and and limiting that and not being overwhelmed and, and putting this here and changing this there and getting a New Year's resolution and getting any kind of resolution that we can change our time. But we're still stuck staring inward. Resurrection offers us an opportunity to live in Cairo's time because we don't need to live for ourselves anymore. Because on the third day, when Jesus rises, the new creation of reality begins. It has happened, and you can be a part of it. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, offers us a stark choice about how to live in light of resurrection. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. What's the point of anything? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead on the third day, what are we doing here? What is the point of any of this? But if he did rise, then everything is different. If Jesus did rise from the dead, our lives are different. Grace is freely offered to us through Christ. We are forgiven of our sins and reconciled to God. So let us stay reconciled by seeking Jesus in this time. You are loved and forgiven, my brothers and sisters, by the God who loved you so much he came to earth and took your sins upon himself. He died for you. He went to the depths for you. And on the third day, he rose again for you. He was truly dead. He proclaimed eternal life in the midst of eternal death. And he rose again. So where are you going to look for him? Are you going to look for Jesus in the valley of dry bones? We are in the season of Advent, a time of preparation for Christmas and the coming of Jesus. And it is tempting to only look back for Jesus, to look back to our memories, back to our experiences, our traditions, our comfort level, things that we, that we like and, and that makes us happy. But why do you look for the living among the dead? Church attendance is a fickle thing. It goes up and down. I've been a part of churches that, with rapid growth and rapid decline and plateaus and all these sorts of things. It's a generation to go. Regular church attendance every Sunday was, was common and expected of members of a church. You know, a few years ago, it was down to like 1.4 times a month was a regular attendee of church. Since the pandemic, it's dropped even further. There's so many things that get in the way, so many aspects of our Kronos time. Sports games, trips, family, or catching up with the laundry, or different excuses. I don't understand what that preacher's saying, or I don't know if I like that song, or I don't want to be trapped in a conversation with that person who always corners me, or I practice my faith outside the walls. There are a lot of different reasons why people don't attend church. And even still, there's, there's something at its worst that church attendance can become a begrudging duty. You do it because you feel obligated to do it. When people join a church and they pledge support by their prayers, their presence, their gifts, their service, 
and their story. They can commit to that, but then also turn it into a duty. Patterns change. It gets harder. Like all the promises of membership, they can be turned into obligations that that slowly deaden over time and turn into dry works, the very works that Paul spoke against as the dead works of the law. Instead of helping us to draw closer to God, they keep us from God. Church becomes a social obligation that we can take or leave as we see fit. And once it becomes an obligation, it ceases to be a day of resurrection. It becomes just another valley of dry bones. And yet, what we humans deaden with our own perspectives, God redeems. If Jesus rose from the dead, everything is different. Why do we look for the living among the dead? Why are we looking for God in places not from God? Why are we looking for convenience and comfort? Why are we looking for homogeneity and and affirmation? Instead of looking for the living among the living, because Christ is not there. When we are seeking to, to match our desires with our comfort level, we are not seeking God. We are seeking a replication of ourselves. When we stay away from church, unless it is convenient, we are looking for the living among the dead. When we are more excited to receive than to give, we are looking for the living among the dead. When practicing our faith looks more cultural than sacrificial, we are looking for the living among the dead. And when the Bible is used more to condemn others than to convict ourselves, we are looking for the living among the dead. Christ is not there. Christ, though, is here at this table. If we're going to come to the table, we need to lay down our burdens, lay down our grudges. We need to lay down bitterness and hobby horses. If we're not willing to be changed, we're not willing to proclaim on this day or any day that Christ is risen indeed. So let us humbly, my brothers and sisters, in this this service, let us humbly confess to God, relieve ourselves, of any burden and block that has kept us from love. Open ourselves up to the Spirit and seek God with all our hearts. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercies in sharing with us the good news of Christ's resurrection. Help us to live a resurrection life even now. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.